0: And if you need an outline, wave your hand there. I think Peter has a few in the back yet. I'll pick mine up. Revelation chapter 3. We're going to be looking at verses 7 through 13. And uh, if you noticed, uh, part of Revelation chapter 3 verse 8 is printed on the door. Uh, sometimes people said, oh, yeah, you grew up in a church that had a name, something like Open Door, and that's where you got the name. No, actually, it was from this verse right here, verse 8 of Revelation chapter 3. We were praying that God would set before us an open door. And uh, somebody wrote an email, your, your doors are open to people of all faiths. Yes, they're open to anybody who wants to walk through, but if you're going to be a part of this church, you're going to have to change your doctrine to agree with the Bible, amen? And uh, the uh, simple truth is we're not uh, trying to be argumentative, nor do we think we are the only ones that believe right, but we do believe that the Bible is the only right book, and as much as is humanly possible, we want to agree with the scriptures, and that puts us in the fellowship of other churches, and historically, if we want to define ourselves, we use the name Baptist. Now, many people have sullied the name Baptist, and I've heard preachers say, Well, the name Baptist doesn't mean what it used to mean. Well, who are you going to identify with? Joel Olstein? Not me. Uh, You're going to identify with the tongue speaking crowd? Uh, not me. Uh, Not our church, not the Bible. Uh, We'll just stick with the word Baptist. And uh, somebody said, well, what kind of Baptist are you? Well, a good word is a separatist Baptist church. Uh, That means we separate from false doctrine. And uh, as but... We want Jesus to give us an open door. I believe that these churches, the seven churches in the book of Revelation, are here to give us a picture, to give us an understanding of what a church can be, should be, ought to be, and ought not to be. And the last two churches have been pretty bad. Well, just wait till next Thursday night, it gets worse. And uh, one thing you have to remember is each one of these seven churches are identified by Jesus Christ as being his church and having his pastor in the church. Even though last week the church was dead, there were still some there. There were still some that were serving God and... By the way, one of the things, if you study through here, there are issues in many of these churches, problems in these churches, and who is in charge of trying to clean up the mess? Boy, that got quiet. Well, the letter is addressed to the angel of the church. Amen? And it is the pastor's job to clean up the mess. That's what he's saying here. And it is the job of individuals to listen and to get direction and to work together to make sure that they are part of those that overcome. That they are not part of one of those churches where the candle gets Blown out. Where Jesus said, listen, I'm going to come and I'm going to fight against them. Who is them? Them is those that are in the church that are listening to Jezebel. He says, I'm going to judge thee. He says, uh, 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 verse 3, he says, if you won't watch, he says, I'm going to come upon you as a thief. You're not going to know. Uh, even what is going on. And boy, is that not today's headlines in religion. People are in church. You can take the truth, turn it into a baseball uh, bat, beat them senseless with it, and they still don't get it. Uh, What are you going to do? Uh, Wait a minute. It says, hold fast to that which thou hast. That's what you're going to do. Those that aren't holding fast, you're not going to make them hold fast. How many of you have ever seen that uh, little illustration, a little kitten hanging from the tree by its claws, and it says, hang in there. Has anybody seen that little picture? I mean, it's pretty famous. And uh, how many of you have ever felt like you could identify with that little kitten on occasion? Amen. Uh, Just hanging in there. That, that's what Jesus means by hold fast to that which thou hast. Don't let go. You know, uh, the difference between victory and defeat is the last man standing. Amen? Uh, in talking about the boxing ring. And I'm sure I've used the illustration of Ulysses S. Grant early in his uh, um History is a military leader. I think he was just a captain or a major. He was in charge of several hundred men. And he was given the order to take him and the men that were under him and to take that hill. The only problem was at the top of the hill was a body of unknown strength of Confederate soldiers. Now, if you're in a battle, where do you want to be? Uh, you want to be at the top of the hill. You want to be dug in. Uh, you want to be waiting for the enemy to come at you. That's how you get the most done. And and he recorded in his diary, he said, I began uh, to contemplate the orders and I decided that I would not lead my troops from the rear, that I would lead them from the front. He said, that was the only honorable thing to do. So I got out my sword and we began to march up the hill. He said, we were waiting for the Confederates to open fire. He said, the silence was deafening. He said, my heart began to beat until I thought it would burst and I would die before we reached the top of the hill. Every moment, the tension grew because we knew we were coming that much closer to death. He said, when we reached the crest of the hill, we found out the enemy had fled. He said, I never forgot that. Sometimes we quit just before. That's what Jesus means when he says, hold fast. And he's going to repeatedly use that charge to his churches throughout all seven letters, especially in our letter tonight. And let's get into reading this before we just spend the whole night in summary. And to the angel of the church, verse 7, Revelation chapter 3, and to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, not a city in Pennsylvania, write, these things saith he that is holy, he that is true, he that hath the key of David, he that openeth and no man shutteth, and shutteth and no man openeth. I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door. No man can shut it. For thou hast a little strength, and hast kept my word, and hast not denied my name. Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews and are not, but do lie. Behold, I will make them to come and worship before thy feet, and to know that I have loved thee. Because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. Behold, I come quickly. Hold hold that fast, which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. Him that overcometh, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go no more out. And I will write upon him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem, which cometh down out of heaven from my God. And I will write upon him my new name. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Of all of the letters to the churches, this one seems to have more uh, uh, I guess we could use the term cryptic terminology, things that people just look at and they say, I have no idea what is being spoken about. I mean, we've talked a little bit about the new, the stone with a new name written in it, and people have come up with all kinds of imaginary things trying to explain that. And, and uh, I'll tell you, I I believe in trying to be as simple a preacher as I can Find the simple answer and you'll know you're close to the truth. Just a special relationship with God. An intimate relationship. Oftentimes people who get to know each other very closely. Uh, If you've ever been around an Italian family, you have to have at least four names to be a member of an Italian family. Uh, You've got your real name, you got the name they call you when you're in deep trouble, and and then you've got the name that uh, everyone calls you affectionately, and and then your regular name that everybody refers to. You've got to have at least four names, or you're just not Italian. And um, I don't know that my dad always kept that, but I do know that I had a special name when I was in deep trouble. I mean, it was just there. And... uh, I'm not going to tell you what my affectionate name was. I finally have outgrown that and plan on keeping it that way. Amen? Uh, But that's just simply. He says, I'm going to give you a new name. I'm going to give you a name that only you know. It's between you and me. Doesn't that just seem to intimate a close, special, personal relationship between the individual and the Savior? Now, as I was reading in one of the commentaries, it was saying, the, it says here that he'll keep the church at Philadelphia from the hour of temptation uh, that comes upon all the world. And the premillennialists love to use this verse as a proof text, but if they only would realize that it only applies to the church at Philadelphia. Wait, wait, wait a minute, Mr. Commentator. Why does every letter end with he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches? Because every church is going to experience some of these problems. And every church needs to be on guard that they don't become like the church at Sardis. That they keep... Jezebel out as the church at Thyatira, that they make sure that they're doing the right things because of the right reasons. Church at Ephesus. Now, no one in here has ever fought the problem of doing the right things for the right reasons. Now, have they? I mean, we always want to do right just because we want to do right. Is that what happens? No, he told the church at Ephesus, you left your first love, you're doing what's right, but you're not loving what you do. Now, repent, get right. How many, don't raise your hands, but how many of you have turned on the TV and listened to one of these uh, Bible garbage heads, I guess would be a rather rude term, but apropos, may I say, uh, teach something and, hey, you know, that almost sounds good. You're listening to Jezebel. I don't care if it is a he speaking. That's what's going on. These are things that we must guard against in our personal lives. We guard against in our church life. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto all the churches. These things apply. And and as we were starting... Open Door Bible Baptist Church. In fact, Sunday will be our 19th anniversary as a church. 19 years. Say, what are we going to do? Have church. Amen? We're going to do what we've always done. Now, next year is a special birthday. The church will be 20 years old. And I hope you don't mind, but I've already talked to Brother Clayton and Brother Marshall and Mrs. Marshall, Mrs. Clayton and... And whoever we can get in, and and we're just going to have a big hoedown uh, for our twentieth next year. They're going to spend the whole week with us, Sunday through Sunday. Brother Clayton's going to be preaching. I mean, it's it's we're just going to try to have some fun. Amen. Amen. And but this year we're going to keep it low key, save our money for the missions conference, and next year try to have uh, a lot of fun. But twenty years ago as we were making final preparation to hold our first service. Uh, and we spent a whole year working with another church and, and talking over. We lived in Staten Island and worked in a church in Elmhurst. And, and so we had an hour, sometimes a two-hour drive from Staten Island. We were a whole way down at the end. We were a mile from the outer bridge crossing. And we would drive in and out and my wife and I would discuss what was going to happen as the little ones. Uh, uh, Peter was two and Sarah was one and Andrew was not quite in the oven. When, well, he was in the oven when we held our first service. But in that year leading up to that, we would discuss our plans. And this kept coming up again and again and again. We want to pattern This church, after the church in Philadelphia. Not because the commentators, some of them, if you read these things, they'll say, this was the church in revival. Well, wait a minute, I disagree with that. It says, thou hast a little strength. Does the church in revival have a little strength, my friend? No, the church in revival is doing great things. They're changing their society. Now, that's not the church in Philadelphia. Let's read what it says. Let's look at the introduction. It's absolutely amazing here. The longest introduction to all of the churches is the church of Philadelphia. It says, And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things saith he that is holy. He that is true. He that that hath the key of David and he that openeth and no man shutteth and shutteth and no man openeth. Now, we had some people, not not here in our church, of course, but some of the books I was trying to read and things that went uh, a little crazy because... Uh, Jesus said, I know thy works and thy patience to one of the other churches and gave these great big uh, list of things uh, in verse 19 of chapter 2. And here Jesus gives a whole list of things. And again, what is he doing? He's introducing himself to the church. I am he, uh, well, he's saying, He that is holy. Now, the word holy has come under some uh, repute in here, uh, in these later days here. Um, But God is still holy, my friend. Holiness is his chief attribute. And holiness is God's standard. The reason God is holy is because he is the only one that holds the standard. That means he's separate. No one is as good as God is. Brother Clayton said years ago he was in Korea. And the Korean word for sinner is well nigh a curse word. Or at least it was back then. And they began to work on this because uh, they weren't going to change the Bible message. But as a preacher of the gospel, you should not use profane language from the pulpit. And that's basically where this was. And so they finally came up with saying that a sinner was someone who was not as good as God is. And everywhere the word sinner was, they would put a person who is not as good as God is. Now, is that not the definition of a sinner? Amen? Yeah, that's right. And when Jesus says to his church, these things saith he that is holy. He is saying, I am. The standard of righteousness. I am the one who decides what is right. I am the one who decides what is wrong. And by the way, if you want to argue, be my guest. But you'll do it somewhere else because I am He that is holy. I have the last word, and there is no uh, things. I'm uh, no statement. I'm going to accept for you from you on the subject. If you are going to be my church, you're going to have to understand that I am. Jesus is the standard of holiness. Only God is holy. In the 70s, we had a big movement in many of the new Bible translations and things to demean the deity of Jesus Christ. And that went back to the 1930s where the modernists came in from Germany and began to work all of the miracles out of the scripture and and say that Jesus was nothing but a man. Now, the truth is, Jesus was 100% human. But he was also 100% God. And it is he that is holy. He that is true. How many of you wish we could just put truth in a syringe and give an inoculation to every member of Congress? The only problem is some of them would die. (laughs) There is no truth in them. And, And since we don't want that to happen, it's a good thing that we can't do that. Amen? But if we could just have a little bit of truth put into the debate, would that not help? It's really bad when both sides are liars. And so often in the, ter- in the realm of religious debate, we had people debating in the late 1800s, are you Calvinist or are you Arminian? Well, let's put a little bit of truth in because neither the Calvinist nor the Arminian are right. The Calvinist believed only the elect is saved. The Arminian basically believed that everybody will eventually be saved. Uh, If you want churches, you've got the Reformed Church, which was Calvinistic or uh, the High Presbyterian. And then you would have the, uh, uh, on the other end, the Methodist, uh, some of the Church of God people and different things like this that kind of just believed uh, everybody will eventually be saved because God could not send anybody to hell and they argued. But let me tell you something, both, both theological systems are bereft of Scripture. When Jesus said, he that is true, He's saying, I am the standard of righteousness. I am he that is holy. No one has attained unto my level of holiness. I tell you what is right. I tell you what is wrong. He said, I am the truth. Uh, It would be so simple if people would just accept this book as truth. That would solve all the problems, now wouldn't it? But that's your interpretation. That's what they say. Now, wait a minute. I've given this example, I hope not too many times, but my dad was a machinist. He took big pieces of steel and made little pieces out of them. And and they had to be to certain tolerances. And um, he came home one time and said, you'll never guess what I did today. They're building a moon drill. And Black and Decker got the contract. And he said, and I made the shaft on which the motor was wound today. <laughs> that was interesting little bit of trivia there. But those tolerances, just a little piece of steel about that long, uh, somewhere around the thickness of a pencil, and they wound the armatures on it and took it to the moon. Uh, nothing massively impressive. My dad said, don't do what I do for a living. Get a real job. But... Uh, The simple matter is, my dad had many shop manuals. He knew how to run all kinds of large machinery. And um, the difference uh, in a machine is a machine can replicate itself. And so a lathe, you can actually make the parts on a lathe to make another lathe a regular piece of equipment will only do one thing. Your can opener will open cans, but it won't make another can opener. And my dad knew how to run all these machines and never once did it cross his mind that you were to interpret the shop manuals. Because had he interpreted one of those, he would have lost his job because he wasn't supposed to interpret them, he was just supposed to obey them. And when we just obey the Bible, Jesus said, I am what? The truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father, but by me. Through the church. No, through the baptistry no no man cometh unto the father but by me why can't we get that verse why do people make salvation so complicated it's because they don't listen to the word of god jesus introduced himself to this church i am he that is holy i am he that is true If you want to know whether something is true or not, match it to the character of Christ. That'll tell you. That will give you the answer that you need. He that hath the key of David. Now, why is the key of David so important? Because Jesus was of the lineage of David. Who was the king. Who was the lineage of Abraham. To whom God gave a promise that in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. How many of you remember that from our Sunday school times? Way back in the book of Genesis. God told David that he would have a kingdom that would be everlasting in nature. Did he not? Did he mean that Solomon and Rehoboam and all of these guys would continue forever sitting on a throne in Jerusalem? Apparently not, because there has not been a descendant of David sitting upon the throne Ruling over that area since 606 BC when Nebuchadnezzar's armies came in and destroyed the place. But what he meant was, there will be the son of David sitting on an eternal throne. We read the rest of the book of Revelation, a thousand years. The prince of peace will rule this world from the city of peace. Jerusalem means the city of peace. Now, is Jerusalem full of peace today? No. Will Jerusalem be full of peace one day? Yes, it will. Why do you think the Arab world wants the city of Jerusalem for their capital? because they want those promises that are in the Bible to the city of Jerusalem to supposed to be to apply to them. But do they? No, it's the seed of Isaac through Abraham, not Ishmael that received the promises. And we go through this thing, and we're going to touch on some really complex things here, and and we're not going to try to answer all the questions here. i would be all night just on this one point. But, We have God choosing Abraham out of all the families of the earth. The Jewish people believed, by the time we get down to the days that Jesus lived, that they had salvation because they were born a physical descendant of Abraham. Was that ever true? No. You had to have faith in the word of God. You say, well, why did they take their sacrifices to the temple in Jerusalem? Uh, Because the Bible said so. Amen? The Bible, when God gave Moses the commandments on Mount Sinai, he set up the sacrificial system. He set up the Levitical priesthood. And it was a descendant of Aaron that was the high priest even when Jesus was there. And if you really want to look into it, it's, it's an amazing thing. As Jesus was on trial, what did they do? they laid their hands upon him and they confessed the sins of Israel. Though it was not the exact same way that the priest did it, they slapped him and said, prophesy thou Christ who smote thee if thou be the son of God. Now what did they just done? They had laid their hands on God's sacrifice and confessed openly before all it's recorded in the scripture, their unbelief which is the greatest sin of all, is it not? Now we come to the church, and people have tried to take the church and say that replaces Israel. But what did Jesus say? Jesus said, I will have one fold and one sheep. The mystery that Paul referred to was that the Gentiles could be saved without becoming Jews first. That God would include them. Paul used in, in the book of Romans a picture of cutting off the dead branch of a tree and slicing that branch and, and preparing a, a living branch off of another tree to be grafted into that tree and they would grow together and become one branch. The Bible talks about a spiritual seed of Abraham is everyone that believes. And so these promises, when he's talking about the key of David, he is talking about this millennial kingdom that has still yet to happen. It will be fulfilled, a literal thousand-year rule and reign. That's why we call ourselves pre because we believe that Jesus will return and that he will remove his church. In fact, that is what the message is to the church in Philadelphia. He says, you've been faithful, you've, been, you've kept the, uh, the patience of my word, I'm going to keep you from the hour of tribulation. It's a promise to escape that hour that seven-year period when God's judgment is poured out upon this earth. And so, the key of David is the connection that makes this book called the Bible, both Old and New Testament, one book. He is talking about the physical right to rule and reign on this earth. Now, why would that be important to the Church of Philadelphia? I mean, they were the city of brotherly love, right? Unlike the city in Pennsylvania, which is the city of brotherly shove. But uh, the simple truth of the matter is Philadelphia did not get its name because it was a town full of loving people. It got its name from some uh, Platonic ruler who was known as such and such Philadelphias, and so they called it Philadelphia, the city of this uh, pl- ruler of the Ptolemy family. By the way, Cleopatra was in that family. They were really nice people. Amen? Uh, they weren't. They were really rotten people. I mean, however this guy got "Philadelphus" applied to his name, uh, we don't know. But we know by what we do know of the Ptolemy family, it didn't fit. Um, And so, it just, this city, this church, was in a hostile environment. And Jesus is saying, listen, I have the key of David. Don't you worry about what everybody is doing to you and persecuting you and Treating you as second-class and third-class citizens and denying you the privileges that you should have and, and treating you unfairly. He said, I hold the key to David. One of these days, you're going to rule and reign with me. So don't get your eye on the immediate. Keep it on he that hath the key of David. Amen? How many of you have ever been discouraged? the whole world just seems to be going to hell in a handbasket is the cliche that they use. Uh, could I challenge you that the world's always been that way? Right. It has never not been that way. Right. And it has never been the church, the job of the church to break the handles on the handbasket. Amen? It's been the job of the church to serve Jesus Christ and to do his bidding until he comes back. It is to be the body of Christ. And that means we will be despised by the world and looked down upon by the world. Uh, What do they say? The good guy always finishes last. Not when you're talking to he that hath the key of David. Let me tell you, when we live in those days, the little bit of suffering and persecution that you may have to endure to be a true Christian will be nothing. You'll be glad for every moment of it because he that hath the key of David is also he that is true and he that is holy, and he is going to reward those that follow him. He that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is the rewarder. Of them that diligently seek him. Amen. There's a lot of connections in here to this little church in Philadelphia. And, and Jesus is really tying an awful lot of things together. And then he ends it with by his introduction by saying, He that openeth and no man shutteth and shutteth and no man openeth. Now, what's the significance of that? When Jesus says, I'm going to do something, you're not going to stop him. When Jesus says, I'm not going to do something, you're not going to make him do it. I'll tell you, listen to some of these people teach on prayer. And you would think that God is an inanimate robot, that he just stands there until he feels the prayer of God's people. And then he begins to go, oh, I feel the prayer. I can now sense and move according to the prayer of my people. Let me tell you, that is the God of Buddhism, not the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible does not need your direction. He uses prayer to humble us, to wear us down, so that we will agree with him. And when we pray and we don't agree with him, we better find some other type of prayer, because that's not the way that God works, When we pray, God makes us agree with Him. Read Romans chapter 8. Amen? Prayer brings us closer to God. And by the way, if we're closer to God, whom will we be closer to? The people of God. That's what this church at Philadelphia is all about. That's what Jesus is explaining. He is simply saying, Listen, I am the one... Maybe I can quote a different verse. I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Do you think that sounds like I am he that openeth and no man shutteth and I'm he that shutteth and no man openeth? Jesus is simply saying, listen, I am the one that gets it done. Don't you ever, church at Philadelphia, church in Astoria, Queens, don't you ever think that you have ever accomplished anything for me except to walk through the door that I have opened. Amen? Except to stop at the door I have shut. And people say, well, what is Jesus opening? What is he shutting? Uh, Didn't he give Peter a set of keys? Peter used key number one when? If you remember, say it out loud. Day of there we go. Day of Pentecost. He preached the first gospel message to the Jew. Unlock the door. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. The second, Acts chapter 10, Peter preached the first message to the Gentiles. Cornelius, a centurion, a Roman soldier of the Italian band, by the way. I have to remind everybody about that. By the way, I'm only about that much Italian, but my last name is and so. Listen. Peter preached the first message to the Gentile. And if you want to get really particular, you can go to Acts uh, uh, chapter 8 and... uh, Peter went to the city of Samaria and nothing really happened. Philip had been there preaching, but when Peter came down, that's when things began to happen in Samaria. So he preached to the Jew, the half Jew, and the whole Gentile. Those were the keys. What door is Jesus talking about opening? The door of evangelism, the door of the ministry of the church. The ministry of the church does not stop at salvation. That's just the first part. It takes a long time for some people to get saved. It takes a whole lifetime to learn to live the things that are in this book. Now, tonight we're only going to get through the introduction. I'm sorry. We won't be doing uh, the church at Laodicea next week. We'll just pick up right here where we left off, but... He that is holy. You know, if you would just take some time this week and ask God to help you contemplate, to think about his holiness, it would help you in your relationship with God. He that is true. How many times do we just say, I don't know what to do. Is this right or wrong? Put the character of Christ in there. Don't ask what would Jesus do. We don't have time to go there tonight. You can't do what Jesus did. It's what would Jesus have me do. I got a mug to prove it. Amen. But. He that is true. He that hath the key of David. I'll tell you, I have grieved over the political destruction of this nation in the last 20 years. It was a month, our church was a month old when Bill Clinton was inaugurated for his first term. And my wife was worried about me. Man, I grieved like someone had died. Because there were a lot of things that I knew would die, and they did. But he that hath the key of David is talking to us. I'm going to do my best not to get too upset about what's going on in Washington and to get energized about what he that hath the key of David hath to say. Because that is the true government of this world. And I can't wait till he takes over. Amen? Amen. And when Jesus opens that door, guess what? Nobody can shut it. And he will shut that door one day. And when he shuts it, nobody's going to open it. I don't care if you are Tim LaHaye and write about people that heard the gospel getting saved in the tribulation period. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that He will let them believe the lie. It's a scary passage. I don't know how it's all going to work out. But I do know this one thing. You better enter that door while it's open. Because once he closes it, you're not getting in. I don't care what tools you have. I don't care if you've got the best safe cracker in the world. You're not getting through that door because Jesus is the one that shut it. You want to look at a picture painted in the words of history? How long did it take Noah to build that ark? The best we can figure out, somewhere around 120 years. From the time God gave him the commandment to the time he went on the ark. That door was open and the animals began to come in just a few days before the flood. Who shut the door? The Lord shut the door just before the rain started to fall. When did the door open? It was a year and 30 some days later. After the flood was over. The door was not opened to let anyone in. It was opened to let the only living, air-breathing beings on earth out. That's the picture. I'll tell you what. I believe that door has already started, that swing shut. We're just waiting till the latch clicks. We'll be out of here. Uh, Years ago, my wife and I arranged the song, Send the Light, for the saxophone, and we put taps into the song. Because we're to send the light until the trumpet sounds to call us home. That'll be taps for the Christian. That'll be the end of our work. It'll be a time of rest. It will also be the funeral dirge for all that are left behind we are talking to he that is holy, he that is true, he that hath the key of David, he that openeth and no man shutteth and shutteth and no man openeth. Um, Is there anything left for you or I to do? Absolutely not. Jesus is saying to this church, it's not about You. It's about me. And all God's people said, Dear Heavenly Father, as we have just gotten through this introduction here, we ask that you would allow us to contemplate these things, to think on your holiness, your truthfulness. The fact that you will be the sovereign over all this world. The fact that when the door is open, you are the one that openeth it. And when the door is closed, you're the one that closes it. Lord, we have nothing to do with the opening or closing of the door. But Lord, let us have that fellowship that you would have us to have with you. Let us come to you and believe in you. Let us allow you to be that standard of holiness, of righteousness. To be the standard of truth. Lord, we pray for our nation and what is going on here, but we pray more even so come quickly, Lord Jesus. Lord, we ask that you would make us faithful to you come. Bless us that we may serve thee this week in Jesus name we pray and before we finish...